0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dez and Marco. I'm Marco. And I'm Dez. Hello, Dez. How are you doing?
1: I'm fine. I I genuinely thought that we were going to reverse the order and call it Marco and Dez, but evidently that (laughs) didn't happen.
0: No, but that's what we discussed last time, but then obviously we forgot. So, Dez, let's kick things off by having a beer. How about that? That sounds amazing. Cool. So... I'll start. So since it's still summer, I wanted to get a summery beer. And so I went for a brewery, a local brewery here in Amsterdam. So the Brauerei Die. I think we we already tried one or two beers from them. But this is the Calypso Session IPA. And I just want to read to you what it says on their website. Our Calypso Session IPA has a strong personality, but a soft side, too. It is a wonderfully light yet firm beer, low in alcohol but full of taste. Kindly provided by the Citra and Galaxy Hops. They add the fruitiness that gives it's, this beer its refreshing flavor. And you?
1: My beer is quite unusual. And it's not one of the Dennis specials where they get peanut butter and jelly and mix <laughs> it into a beer.
0: And it's a pun of some sort. <laughs>
1: yes, exactly. This is a collaborative beer, and it's from a relatively new company called Ad Astra Brewing, i.e. to the stars in Latin, to the stars. There is a brewery in America which has the same name, so these two should not be confused. If you're interested in this beer, you can go to the website called adastrabeer.com, and they're going to do a series of collaborative brews with the UK, Germany, Belgium, and Croatia. And the first of their beers is done with a, in collaboration with a brewery in Germany from the Franconia region. And they've released seven beers from this brewery as part of the collaboration. So this is the first of the beers called very imaginatively Beer One, Land Beer. (laughs) Wow. It's a typical lager in the German style. And as I said, very unusual brewery and history.
0: Okay, looking forward to hearing your thoughts about it. But in the meantime, cheers. Cheers. I want to start, like usual, with the news. And there's one piece of news that really caught my attention this time. So, you know, on this podcast, we're big fans of the James Webb Space Telescope, right? Yep. And you'll recall that last episode, we talked about the first images from this telescope being published and how big they became, as in how popular they became in uh, like pop culture. So recently, a prominent French scientist named Etienne Klein, he published a photo of what looked like a red planet. Kind of like Mars, but maybe a bit more cloudy with like white spots and everything. And he claimed that this image was from taken by the the space telescope and it was from Proxima Centauri. So the closest star to our sun, 4.2 light years away and everything. And it's just like a red sphere or a red circle. And (laughs) a few days later... (laughs) (laughs) this guy had to apologize because apparently he pranked everyone and because it was not a photo taken by the space telescope but it was a slice of chorizo
1: I just clicked on the link and I'm dying here I'm trying not to laugh because once you know it's so funny it's literally a slice of chorizo and everyone's like wow what an amazing planet
0: (laughs) yeah exactly but it looks like a planet like if it it looks like you know one of those like hellish worlds where it's like full of lava or whatever but no it turned out it was a prank all along (laughs) it was a slice of chorizo i'm sorry i know it's not news but it's just hilarious oh that's
1: hilarious oh sorry i need a moment to recover
0: through the magic of editing, Dez laughed uninterrupted for 45 minutes. But for you, it's only mere seconds. <laughs> oh my god. Can I, I... I know
1: this is irrelevant, but I'm going to say it anyway. Remember when uh, Flow Rider was a thing? Yeah. Like the, the rapper? And you came up with your own rapper name, which is Joe Rizzo. <laughs>
0: Chorizo.
1: Chorizo. <laughs> <laughs> it fits in perfectly.
0: Yeah, and now I have the the cover of my first album. Oh, okay, sorry. Moving on.
1: Moving on. My next item of news is much more banal compared to that, but um, I guess it was inevitable. It's basically Amazon's latest tech acquisition. In hindsight. It was inevitable, and I really should have seen it coming. I think we all should have seen it coming. The news is that Amazon has bought iRobot, the company which is famous for probably inventing or creating the Roomba, uh, which is the, what, automated yeah. hoover?
0: Yeah, the, the, the drone vacuum cleaner, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yes. the
1: one which kind of goes and charges itself, hoovers the floor, yeah. goes over some cat poo, and drags it across your
0: living room to <laughs> But why are you saying it's an, it was inevitable and we should have seen it? Okay, so
1: I say it's, it was inevitable because the Roomba and the iRobot is, I'd say, a strong household name. Like, people yeah. know what a Roomba is. The second is that they've been, let's say, struggling financially. Their recent quarter made a loss of like $37 million. They're being okay. seriously undercut by cheap Chinese imports. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying that the market has been pushed down in terms of price and the competition yeah. is heating up. And uh, so Amazon have obviously capitulated and said like oh, sorry, capitalized and said, "Ah, great opportunity to buy another household let's say item." And they've already got like the is it, uh, not Ring. What's the other one? Is it Ring doorbells they've got? No, Ring is Google. They've got Ring is Google. They've got one of them and I can't remember which.
0: Yeah, well, I know they they own a company of um, yeah that makes like smart home automate like doorbells and things like that. But I yeah, I can't remember and uh, then obviously one. they've got yeah. the
1: whole um, Amazon Echo ecosystem, Alexa with their smart yeah, yeah. speakers, so on and so forth. This is naturally an extension of the home tech environment. So now they're going to start yeah. making hoovers, presumably powered yeah. by Alexa.
0: Yeah, so you could probably stick around for the future when you can. Tell your vacuum cleaner to buy you something okay no this is interesting because now apart from having microphones and cameras into your house now they can probably scan it because doesn't the the yep. Roomba scan your room so now they know exactly how big your house is and everything
1: and I think they also recently released like a a toy slash companion robot thing which follows you around and I wonder if it's got to do like with acquiring the intellectual property and patents to create a better robot
0: yeah probably i mean when these companies buy like when the amazons and google's and facebook's buy these kind of things it's probably because they they can get more information about you rather than because the product itself is profitable um but interesting that you mentioned like a, a robot uh, companion because we'll talk about one later on in the show today
1: okay and then i've got a follow on from last week's episode where we well where i pretty much reviewed the steam deck and we spoke a little bit about it yeah. and we finished that episode off with good luck getting one because the waiting list was at the time considered to be over a year and the yeah. moment the episode went live valve made an announcement that they've got rid or streamlined the supply chain process yeah. and all orders currently pending and all new orders made now will be fulfilled by the end of the year they've also opened up ordering to new markets and mainly japan which is huge so if you wanted to buy a steam deck you could order it today and get it by christmas
0: okay and they announced it as a result of our episode right
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. Gabe sent me a text and he said, yo, Dez, great episode, loving the enthusiasm.
0: (laughs) Thumbs up emoji. Yeah, thumbs
1: up emoji, Steam Deck emoji.
0: (laughs) All right. (laughs) But speaking of the Steam, I think you've been playing around with it and found uh, a couple of interesting little gems.
1: You might recall our episode a while back on indie games and what they bring to the market, which the soulless corporations lack. Yes, of course. One of the reasons why I was so enthusiastic about the Steam Deck was that we commented how a lot of these indie games have found, let's say, a niche or a platform on the Nintendo Switch. But they all cost a bit more.
0: Sometimes quite a bit more. Yeah, that's a bad thing. Yeah.
1: I actually held out buying a couple of these games specifically because I wanted to, buy, to play them on the Steam Deck. And then the Steam Deck arrived and I was like, woohoo, time to try these games out. And some of them have incredible stories. Now, one of them which I really want to talk about is a game called Vampire Survivors. And if you're into Steam and the PC world, you will have heard of this game. What I think is incredible is that this is a game made by a fellow Italian called Luca Galante, known as Poncle. And he created this game in his spare time as a project to kind of take care of his weekends more than anything. He okay. spent a total of like $1,100 pounds, euros, whatever, on buying some assets, some art, and some music. And he then okay. programmed the game. This game is early access on Steam. You can buy it for two euros, okay? So it's like a bargain. He released it in December 2021 And the game is so simple. You have to survive wave upon wave upon wave of, let's say, vampire-like creatures. Bats, werewolves, zombies, and they come in waves. And you don't shoot. You just literally move your character. All the shooting is done automatically. And there's a whole myriad of weapons that you can pick from. And it is an absurdly simple yet stupid game, which is so addictive. Okay. And it's like skyrocketed. I can't explain how simple this game is. Like the graphics are 2D, sprites, it's um it's nothing to boast about, it's nothing to write home about. But okay. it hits the sweet spots of being fun, quirky, and replayable.
0: Okay. No, I wanna check it out.
1: It's incredibly rich in the sense that it's actually really deep in the amount of like customization you can do and evolution of the characters it's first of all it's set in rural italy <laughs> okay you, the characters that you can pick they're of the bel paese family which in italian translates to the nice country which is how we nickname the country it's a bit like saying old brighty if you mean england in italy they'll yeah. say
0: il bel paese il bel paese
1: and then like the actual characters that you can pick they all have very silly names okay some of them like really random just like Gennaro
0: okay very generic italian rural <laughs>
1: and then other ones which are a little bit more twinned with italian pop culture so there's a very famous pasta maker in Italy called Giovanni Rana there is a witch character called Giovanna Grana <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Her let's say weapon is that she throws cats. Okay. I know it's just so absurd and stupid. But eventually it becomes like a bullet hell game and you become overpowered. And the first time I'll come across a game which gives you an epilepsy warning.
0: <laughs> okay. So it gets really intense, I guess. It
1: gets really intense, but I can't really I have to emphasize how fun this is. It's um it's it's clearly a labor of love. And as I said, it's super low-key, done on the cheap, but do not think this is a cheap experience. This is a very rich experience at a bargain two euros. And I don't know, I must have caught people's imagination on Twitch or whatever. And it shot up the Steam charts at one point and still increasing it at 80,000 people playing it at the same time.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: The guy is... Um, estimated to have made like 1.5 million euros in one month.
0: Wow, imagine. So he's quit his day
1: job and he's now dedicated to completing this game because as I said it was early access yeah and you know get on the gravy train early because I suspect the price will go up eventually.
0: Yeah, of course. but here's a question because I, I, I actually don't know. how does early access work? So basically the game is not finished. And the guy just kind of released it, I guess, to finance the 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 end of it. And so you can buy it for, you said, what was it, two euro, two pounds, whatever it was. But what happens when the game, like the full game, actually releases? Do you still own it or do you have to buy it again?
1: No, no, you own it. So as you said, it's a way to allow games to receive funding to complete the development, but also guide the development. So If the feedback is that this doesn't work or that doesn't work, they can tweak it before releasing a final product. So to quote Steam, Early Access, what is Early Access? Steam Early Access enables you to sell your game on Steam while it is still being developed and provide context to customers that a product should be considered unfinished. Early Access is a place for games that are in a playable alpha or beta state, are worth the current value of the playable build, and that you plan to continue to to develop for release. It's not a way to crowdfund a product. There is a product to sell already, and there is something playable yeah. the moment you buy it. And yeah. it's not a pre purchase. So it's not like you will, um, you give money, you don't get to play it, and you have to wait for it to be released.
0: Yeah, so, it's not a, yeah, yeah, a pre order. Yeah.
1: So they need to offer something playable at the moment of purchase, but then you will get the final product at the end of it.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I guess like in a way, you are kind of investing in the game. And yeah, but there is a playable for product full- the moment you yeah. buy it. Yeah, yeah. And, but they okay. make it, Got it but they make
1: it sure that you know the experience might change.
0: Also, while you were talking, I was I because I, I, I'm pretty curious, I looked it up on YouTube and the um, IGN review or early access preview, whatever it's called, they call it Roomba of Death. So <laughs> it ties back to what we were saying before okay but sorry didn't mean to interrupt go ahead
1: i think that's it vampire survivors available early access on steam for two euros and it plays magnificently on the deck because i think in all fairness even a vacuum cleaner could play
0: this game <laughs> wow all right so okay but so is is it difficult or like is it easy then or it's easy in the sense that. It's so simple to pick up, but it is actually, let's say, difficult to reach the end of a level. Okay, easy to play, difficult to master.
1: Well, yes and no. I think you need to learn what, let's say, power-ups complement each other. Right, okay. And as I said, no game is longer than 30 minutes, because after 30 minutes, come what may, death comes and kills you.
0: Oh, okay, so you have to finish it by then.
1: So, yeah, you can only play up to 30 minutes, essentially. Which is great, because it's something that you can sort of pick up quickly on the go.
0: Okay, what else have you been playing?
1: This is another one which I actually held off buying on the Nintendo Switch, called The Art of Rally, made by um, a developer called Fun Selector Labs. And this is a company which is essentially owned by one person called Dune Kasu, who is a Canadian, I think. Um, Don't quote me on that. Don't forget our research is terrible.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What research?
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But I really think you will like this because as the name implies, it's a car game. Yeah. It's an homage to the golden era of rally racing. Oh, okay. So you start in the late 60s with cars available in the late 60s. They don't use the real names of the cars for copyright reasons. Yeah, of course. So um, my so they always just the names are funny. Again, remember we were talking about like um, EA and FIFA, how the companies which didn't have the rights used to make funny names of players. Imagine that, but with cars instead of like the Mini, they've got the Meanie, and it's like angry mean.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) Meanie with like. Yeah, okay.
1: Exactly. And uh, for example, the the Cosworth is called the Cosy. Okay. And things like that. And um the French cars for example, the Renault 5 is just called Le Sank.
0: <laughs> okay, that's funny. Art of rally. Okay.
1: The graphics use like an isometric birds-eye view where you follow a car. It is gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous isometric graphics. Mm-hmm. It is a difficult game, but it's a true, again, labor of love to that golden age of rally. And you progress from the late 60s to the early 90s. So you go from those really old cars, like the, yeah. um, the Renault Sank, etc., etc., yeah. to like the more modern ones, like the Lancia Delta Integrale, the Subaru yeah. Impreza, the Toyota
0: Celica, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. That that was like the I think it was called Sega Rally, like yeah. that historic, like iconic arcade game that was in every arcade.
1: You will go for a whole gamut of cars which were historically accurate and let's say mm-hmm. perform in similar ways with a little fun blurb of the car in a game which is absolutely beautiful to look at a game which looks simple but is difficult to master a proper zen-like experience like the music is sort of electronic lo-fi music maybe
0: okay yeah that's pretty
1: it is so fun to play again made by one person dune kasu from fun selector labs
0: okay no i'll check it out and actually like when, when you wrote it in our little script I went to check out a couple of reviews and I saw that it's available also on the Switch, but the Switch one isn't. That one got mixed reviews while like on Xbox and PC and and such. It was um, very well received. I would
1: definitely wait for a sale because I was going to buy it on the Switch and it's the most expensive platform to buy it on. And I said, no, I'll wait to get it on Steam and play it on the deck. And I eventually picked it up for that magical under five euros
0: price. Yeah, of course. I definitely want to check this one out. It's available, look, on uh, Windows, macOS, Linux, PS4 and 5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, Nintendo Switch. It's available everywhere. Cool. And then finally, the other game that you wanted to talk about was Drinkbox Studios' latest game, which is called Nobody Saves the World. And I'm actually really curious to hear your thoughts about it because... So they're the same makers of Guacamelee, which is one of my favorite games or series, and I think for you as well. And I actually bought it on the Switch recently, like be, uh, following a sale, because I was really curious. It, it got good reviews and everything, but it would not let me play it in handheld, which I found kind of s- silly. Are you familiar? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I was like... You know, my my partner was like watching TV and so I was like, okay, I'll play with the Switch on handheld. And it kept telling me to remove the Joy-Cons because it you need to play it with the Joy-Cons detached oh, from the console.
1: Okay. How does that work for like the Switch Lite? I have no idea. Oh, that's really interesting.
0: Yeah, and I kept like trying to like restart the game saying no, there must be like some kind of um bug or anything. And then I got upset. And uh, never actually played it. So curious to hear what you think about it. In a nutshell, I'm a little bit disappointed.
1: Only because the bar was set so high with Guacamole.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Quick recap. Guacamole was a 2D platformer set in the Mexican, let's say... In the Maxiverse. uh, In the Maxiverse, (laughs) correct. And in the, what's it, luchador style. So you are a agave farmer slash luchador wrestler who can shift between the, the world of the living and the world of the dead. And that yeah. gave way to some very clever puzzle platforming and uh, essentially a 2D beat-em-up
0: adventure. Yeah, awesome mechanics, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: It was incredible. Great humor, so funny, beautiful art direction, very easy to run, as in like it wasn't graphically intensive. It was a gem. So we were really looking forward to Nobody Saves the World. Now... This represents a departure from that style of game, yeah, where Guacamelee was a two d platformer, this is an RPG. yeah. Where Guacamelee was again, you know focusing on a character and and levels, this is essentially not an open world, but you've got a massive map with different areas to explore. It's got a roguelike element because it's got randomly generated dungeons. So the dungeons themselves aren't randomly generated, like they're in fixed positions, but the maps inside those dungeons change each time you go in.
0: Okay, interesting.
1: The main mechanic is that you are this character nobody who comes across a magic wand because the main wizard of this world called Nostromagus is kidnapped and you need to prevent the destruction of the world because of of plot points, etc. Yeah. The game itself is quite funny, like the humor in it is pretty good and stuff. But it gets pretty repetitive and it's a bit grindy because you need to complete things to upgrade your character, which unlocks new characters. And as you unlock new characters, which are quite random and funny, like you can be a horse, you can be a a rat, you can be a mermaid, you can be a turtle. Yeah. And each of these different characters obviously brings something different to the experience. And as you unlock more experience and level up, you can actually take powers from certain characters and put and give them to another one kind of difficult to fully explain and appreciate but it does make sense when you're playing but i still don't think it's a very it's a bit of a grindy experience and i don't think oh, okay. it has the magic of guacamelee it's a bit more oh i need to level up before i can go into this dungeon and it's like i, I am forced to use this character which i don't like using because i have to unlock these characters right
0: so it gets repetitive.
1: It gets repetitive, it's quite good for an RPG, I suppose, and I think it's not a particularly long game. I haven't finished it, I think I'm maybe halfway through, and that took me maybe 10 hours of playing.
0: Okay, but just short for an RPG.
1: Yeah, which is usually something I value, because I don't have hundreds of hours (laughs) to spend in a game. It's, I don't know, I thought it could offer more substance, or a bit more of a memorable experience.
0: Okay, well, that sucks, but... um... I'm still going to check it out at some point, hopefully soon.
1: <laughs> can I just say one thing? Like You bought it on the Switch, you said? I didn't yeah. actually buy this. I got it as part of the Game Pass Ultimate subscription.
0: Oh, yeah, you su- you subscribed to that.
1: There's a super special offer and loophole, which I'm not sure I can talk about just in case Microsoft is <laughs> listening. But I got three years of Game Pass Ultimate for essentially 40 bucks. Oh, that's cool. That's ridiculously good value. So I'd be stupid yeah. not to take that offer up. And completely legally, no uses of VPNs or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. This was one of the games on it, and I thought I'd give it a go. And yeah, I'm glad I didn't pay money for it. I don't think it's my cup of tea. Mm,
0: okay. Yeah.
1: One special mention, though, we mentioned the previous game was Guacamole. Something which made me chuckle is that you enter like a, a League of Wizards castle, which you need to do missions for. And they have a vending machine which sells Guava. Okay. And the graphics on it is you see the Luchador from Guacamele. and it yeah. says Guava mele. And I just thought that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, I mentioned the Game Pass Ultimate subscription, which includes xCloud, which is Microsoft's version of cloud gaming. This is just a reiteration that that service is incredible. I am fully sold on cloud gaming as the future, and it works so well with the Steam Deck, which means I can play pretty much the whole Xbox, not the whole Xbox library, but the X Cloud offerings on the go anywhere in the house or anywhere with good internet. And yeah. I'm almost as impressed that I'm doing that as I am with what I'm playing
0: yeah okay i see what you mean and also the 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 game library is insane isn't it oh
1: it's absolutely insane to the point where i'm almost like i don't need to buy anything ever again like i could live off that and be yeah. happy to casual yeah. game taking advantage of what they offer and one of the things that they offer is the mass effect legendary edition
0: oh yeah you gave me that for my birthday i still haven't played it though but uh, have you been replaying it
1: yeah i've started replaying it You know, just to see how it works on the Steam Deck. And oh my god, I don't know if it's just because it's such a good game or the fact that they've, specifically the first one, improved the game mechanics so it's much more a homogenous experience, but it's, like, improved in every single way. And the fact that I'm playing a game which literally made my, at the time, gaming PC feel like a potato on a handheld, (laughs) and it's improved, is just mind-boggling. But um, yeah, I don't want this to be a review of the Mass Effect series because that's a huge game, which probably warrants a dedicated episode of sorts, yeah. but it is so good. And I just forgot how good that was. But again, kudos to Cloud Gaming for m- allowing it to be possible. But my God, it's such a good game. So if you've got a- the Game Pass Ultimate, play Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Mm-hmm. It was given away for free for Prime Day by Amazon. All oh, right. Yes. So I hope you picked it up. If you haven't, tough.
0: (laughs) But interesting that you mentioned like a really popular sci-fi space uh, series because actually just last night I watched the latest Pixar movie, Lightyear. What did you think? Eh, I don't know. It was all right. I mean, it was nothing spectacular. So the... the, 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 Lightyear follows the story of Buzz Lightyear, who is a toy in the Toy Story universe. So basically, it starts off with the phrase, in 1995, a boy named Andy got a toy from his favorite movie. This is that movie. So it's, let's say, the real Buzz Lightyear. It's not the toy. And he's voiced by Chris Evans. And there's a a couple of other, like, voices that you'll definitely recognize. Uh, Taika Waititi is there, and you can clearly recognize his voice. Anyway, the story, just, like, trying to not give up any spoilers, basically puts Buzz Lightyear as this hotshot Space Ranger that, trying to complete a mission and then isn't able to because of reasons, it's in a way, the theme is very similar to the original Toy Story one, which is basically like he's a hero and he wants to solve everything by himself because he's the hero and he that's what he does. And then as the movie goes on, he kind of learns to work together in a team and shows how being in a team is better than being alone. The movie looks great. It sounds great. It's just like really nice to watch. But the story itself, I don't know. I feel like Pixar has kind of lost lost its magic. You know, they they have a very specific formula which basically they get these like random characters and put them in even more random and uncomfortable situations like um I don't know, like the 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 monster from Monsters Inc, they they find a child that isn't scared of them and so they don't know how to react to that or The kid from Coco goes into the the world of the dead, but then he can't come out. You know, it's all stuff like this. Or Wally is in this trash world where there's no more humans and doesn't know what to do. But in this movie, it just doesn't feel like very like a very strong, like Buzz Lightyear is this flawless pilot and flawless hero. And he just has to complete his mission. It doesn't feel like he's in a situation that, like, that he's super uncomfortable in or that he's a deeply flawed character. I mean, yeah, he's a bit selfish, but that's it. I don't know. I Like, for me, it didn't particularly work. It was a fun, whatever, hour and a half, two hours. But Pixar got us used to so much better. It's kind of like what you were saying about Nobody Saves the World. You expect a lot more from them.
1: I see exactly where you're coming from. I watched it a couple of nights ago as well. Basically, because it's just been released on Disney Plus. So I think everybody who didn't go see it in the cinema is now watching it. Yeah. And yeah, I think the story was a little bit derivative. You knew exactly what was going to happen before it happened.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Because also the the, the bad guy is mysterious. And so you kind of guess who, who that is in the end.
1: There was a bit of controversy attached to it because his partner is a space ranger who... Uh, This is not really giving anything away, but the whole plot is that they're trying to escape from a planet because of what happened at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. But every time he does a test flight, for him, it's only, I think, four minutes or two minutes, but four years passes on the planet that they're on.
0: Yeah. Which is a cool sci-fi mechanic. I, I, I really enjoyed it. It's very interstellar.
1: What is essentially for him a couple of weeks work... Everyone else on this base, so to speak, has aged a lot and you see them age. You see them fresh face at the beginning of the movie and a quarter of the movie in, a lot of those people are now very old, including his partner, who you see through little snippets and you see her have a same sex relationship and have have a child and... I personally don't care, but a lot of countries have put restrictions on that movie, which Disney has abided to. Like, they've cut those scenes out for specific markets. Oh, okay. So that was controversy number
0: one. Yeah. I read yesterday that, like, Singapore rated this movie the equivalent of, like, rated R, which is adults only, because there is one same-sex kiss, and that's it. I feel like Disney
1: did it to... Let's say appear inclusive but then they went and they
0: backtracked <laughs> yeah but okay you know you said controversy number one are there others uh, no oh, okay so- <laughs> <laughs> I was just on why did you say one then
1: <laughs> I don't know I thought there was more but then I looked at my notes and no there isn't more um- <laughs> why would you create this kind of hype <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I feel I feel like a fraud. Oh, you know something which blew me away about the movie though. I was what? convinced that the voice of Buzz was Tim Allen. I, I, Chris Evans to me doesn't sound like that, and yet.
0: Really? No, it sounds exactly like Chris Evans. We like we were watching it yesterday, and we were like, uh, Captain America.
1: Really? I was like, yeah. I didn't realize Tim Allen was in this movie, and he's not in this movie, by the way.
0: So it's just me. <laughs> All right. Well, no, yeah, no, he's not Tim Allen being the voice of Buzz Lightyear in the Toy Story series. But the, for me, the star of the movie is the the robot cat Socks. Oh, definitely. He is just like hilarious. Meow, 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 meow. <laughs> it was funny. It was hilarious. He's really cool. He's like the best character. But yeah, I don't know, Des. I was not convinced. The thing that worries me is that now it's two or three movies that are. Just uninspired. Soul was okay. I thought it was good. But then, like, Onwards was kind of meh. turning red. I was not a big fan. Luca, again, not a big fan. I, like, I feel like the last two or three Pixar movies have been really below par. And now I'm starting to get worried whether this is Pixar now.
1: I think it is Pixar now. I think they've got. The formula. I mean, all of the movies you quoted. Onwards, Turning Red, Luca. The story is the same. Yeah. Like, almost literally. Turning Red, young girl discovers that she becomes a monster. A red panda. Awkward situations ensue.
0: Yeah. Luca is a a monster, and he's afraid that people will find out. Awkward situations ensue. I don't know. I'm just hoping that we can get back to... The Pixar of, you know, like Wally or the first 10 minutes of Up or the...
1: I do wonder if um, having Disney Plus as a platform now, there is an expectation to kind of make, let's say, B-movies and just spam them onto Disney Plus. Mm. Because Turning Red, for example, I'm not sure if that was even released in the cinema. I think it kind of went straight to Disney Plus. No, I don't think it
0: was. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Which reminds me of something which maybe we should have mentioned in the news, talking about movies going to online-only platforms. What was supposed to be a massive movie for Warner Brothers, which was Batgirl, I think, after having spent $95 million filming the film, which had an incredible cast, by the way. So there was Batgirl with a young actress whose name, no offense, I've forgotten. But Michael (laughs) Keaton was coming back. As Batman. As Batman. Okay. J.K. Simmons, who who um, is an Oscar yes. winner, you know who he is, the journalist from, like, the Spider-Man movies and stuff. He was in yeah. it, as well as some other people who, like, just incredible cast. And, um, yeah, just out of the blue, it was cancelled.
0: Yeah, I saw. I'm not, not really sure why, but okay.
1: Yeah, rumor has it that the plan was to have a relatively limited release and then put it onto Warner Brothers' Hulu platform or whatever it is, but a new CEO has got different ideas and he said it, it tested poorly with test audiences. So rather than try to fix it and spend money on special effects and marketing, they just decided to take the hit and move on. Yeah, move on. Just can it.
0: That's a bit sad. Well, I guess we'll see. OK, so. you,
1: you heard it here first. Just like the Snyder Cut, I suspect this will be released.
0: Mm. Well, I think it depends a lot on whether it was filmed or not. Because the Snyder Cut, it was basically all the footage was already there. Yeah, same here. The movie was finished. Oh, it was. It's just post-production. okay. Yeah, then definitely it'll be released at some point.
1: And talking about unfinished business, how was your beer?
0: My beer has become finished business by now. <laughs> so, uh, no, it was very good. So, again, it's a... It's the Calypso Session IPA. I like it because it has a very colorful label, which goes very well with this uh, summer months. It's a Session IPA, so you can drink loads of these. It's pretty light. It's got 4% alcohol. A little hoppy at first, but then becomes really smooth. So, yeah, I quite like it. It's nothing I would write home about. Also because probably my parents wouldn't care, but... Uh, yeah, let's say four out of six. I think it's a it's a good beer to drink no, but it's many a decent of. Decent beer. Yeah, exactly. So I would have this one again, but probably wouldn't be my first beer of choice. What about you?
1: My beer is exactly what you would expect a German lager to taste of. It's it's not a criticism. It's a decent beer. It just hasn't got peanut butter or jelly in it or a punny name unbelievable <laughs> so yeah it's fine it's a it's a decent beer if you want a german style lager this is a good beer to drink it's brewed traditionally following their methods and as such i would give it a 3.5 out of a six pack it's good not exceptional okay i do like the idea behind this brewery i love the idea of having these collaborative projects with different countries and having unique beers showcasing the styles of beers from that country so yeah definitely a project i wouldn't mind revisiting this beer is fine as i said it's exactly what you expect the german beer to taste of it's good would i recommend it yes is it the best beer i've ever had mm, not really but it's good
0: i enjoyed it yeah also because if it was the best beer you've ever had and you give it a 3.5 you've got pretty high standards <laughs> <laughs> But that brings us to the end of the episode. So today we talked about Amazon buying iRobot, the makers of the popular Roomba vacuum cleaners. And then Dez went on again to brag about his Steam Deck that I'm not, I'm totally not jealous about and recommended a couple of games, a couple of indie games. Vampire Survivors, which is really fun, available for two euro on Steam. Art of Rally, which is a really cool cartoony rally game, I suppose. And Nobody Saves the World from the makers of the Guacamole games. And then finally, we both saw and were kind of disappointed by Lightyear, the latest Pixar movie. Having said that, Des, I will speak to you next time. See you next time, guys.